What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Twitter. We're live everywhere. We are worldwide, baby. We're live on PBS, ABC, CBS, and NBC. It's like a superhero movie, and we've taken over the airwaves because we have an evil plan we're concocting. Yes, maybe you're listening later on an audio podcast. If you're doing that, that is all good as well. We are excited to greet you anyway. And uh, this is big. Uh, this is the first live show the three of us have done together in a while, right? Really? I'm forgetting. Uh, that's true. I was out of town for work last week out in Los Angeles for less than 36 hours, a healthy amount of time to travel anywhere. Hmm. Wow, that sounds very intense. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, this is... Oh, wait, and wait, we oh. should say also that Pete was away because he travels by train to places. Yeah, like, right. oh, but... whistle stop LePage, we call him. <laughs> toot, toot! Well, I will say, actually, Pete, you were in New Orleans with That's our right. friend Brett Backris. You had Stray a dinner on the show last week. Mm-hmm. But uh, we just found this out. You also did a tour of Cloak & Dagger locations. Yeah, it was so cool. He was pointing out all the stuff from Cloak and Dagger, uh, different warehouses used in shots and stuff like that. And I saw the Roxxon building. So that was really, it was fun. Wow, they still have that. They're still operating after everything. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, yeah. How how many other people were on the tour with you? Was it just like a lot of uh, C&D fans? Did you recognize sort of Cloak and Jabber or Cloak and Dagger? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, were they wearing the shirts? Were they wearing the shirts? I Uh, love the shirts. People coming up to you and be like, hey, babe. Hey, man. Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, baby, which was his nickname on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, hey, cakes baby. And waffles. Were they like, I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm baby. Let's get into Cloak and Jabber. <laughs> well, listen, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on the, yeah. this podcast. We have two great guests that we're going to get to in a moment. But this is also the time of the month where we pay a little bit of tribute to our awesome Patreon supporters. You support us at the $5 or above level. We read off your name as a thank you. So let's get into it. Kicking it off with Oitis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam DeRose. Adam Harwitz. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. The mysterious Andrew. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD, Benjamin Brown, Carly W. Carrie Matthews, Chris Leatherman, Christina Jarmarillo, Christina Rensfield, Christopher Lizzie, Clemens Lua, Curtis LaRock, Demand Ryan, Damien Beckin, Dan Snow, <laughs> Daniel Cabral, <laughs> Daniel Fuentes, Danny Eck, Debbie Gloom, Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart, Doug Sadaway, Dylan LJ, Eduardo Martinez, Emmett Quish, Aaron Dorian, Jeffrey Risher, Gerard DeVilliers, Isaac Carter, Jake Fry, James Connolly, James Kurtz, Jaron Townsend, Jason Donahue, Jeffrey Whaley, John George, Jonathan Jong, Jonathan McCool. Joshua W. Broxson. Julian Lobato. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Luana Thomas. Lucas Sink. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Matthew C. Hernandez. Michael Tillman. Nelson Kelso Martinez. Nick Grayson. Official CBC, CBC chef oh, and nice. local tour guide, Brett Macris. <laughs> Oren Dix. Pedro A. Wrangle. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Puff the Fluff Baby is what it says. <laughs> oh, man. Prime Banana Comics. Nice. Provocative Ambulance. Rev Mikey. Robert Pettinato. Sarah Schottenmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Tamela Rush. Taylor Bryan. Terrible Jason. The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Thomas Glenn, Victor Perez, Will Buchanan, William Leach, Zachary Bachman, and Zika's Viral Comics. Thank you all so much, seriously, for supporting us at patreon.com slash comic book club. We seriously could not support and continue the show. Thank you. Could not and would not. 
could not and wouldn't. <laughs> we would refuse. We would flat out refuse. Uh, but at any level, thank you so much for supporting the show. If you would like to, $2 and up, you not only get access to our very fun, very active Patreon Slack, but you also get our entire <laughs> back catalog of all of our podcasts going all the way back to 2011. That is Ooh. literally thousands of podcasts for you to listen to. That's because we were the only podcast back then. Yeah, we it invented was, uh, it. I believe. We were like, invent- what if we did oh, talkies for the internet? Yeah, Michael Barbro kept coming by being like, what are, you, what are you guys doing over here? And then pretty soon, there goes the daily. Yeah. A couple of other quick things to talk about before we get into our show. Now, we mentioned our official CBC chef, Brett Macris, Stray a.k.a. Stray Bullies. There you go. He often will design or curate a drink for us every week. And this week, I don't know if it's a tribute so much as a consolation prize for Shazam Fury of the Gods. He designed a drink called the Shazamily, which I made one of them over here. Oh, uh, looks delicious. It's so good. So the delicious. The color is perfect. I, I can't show you the lightning bolt lemon peel that I made. That's the thing. Ooh. Like, you put a little. Why can't you show us that? Why can't you show it to yeah, us? That, like that seems like the coolest part of the whole thing. I mean, it fell in also oh, is the other thing. But wow, man, man that drink's yeah, better than the feature film. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, woof! I really messed up my setup here, and I hope that sounded awesome on the audio podcast. <laughs> but, but very good drink, very exciting, definitely better than the movie. And also, I'll mention as a little plug: we got our new podcast, Sons of a Gun, a DC podcast, and we did a whole episode about Shazam Two that went up earlier this week. We did definitely check that out. We were all very yeah. pleasant discussing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like human, cordial human beings is what we call ourselves. It's just Alex, Justin, and Baby hanging out. <laughs> there you go well listen let's bring in our sweet little babies as we call our guests on the show yep. more specifically our we first do. guest he is the creator of isolation a book out of swolger publishing ladies and gentlemen doug bratton hello doug hey, welcome hey, to the show welcome. hey guys <laughs> thanks for having me oh my gosh thank you for coming on this is a fascinating book that seems like a tough hill to conquer just in terms of logistically when you're putting it together because it is a murder mystery or a mystery book that takes place in multiple time periods at the same time you're working with multiple artists very ambitious project where did this idea first come from and what did it start with that or you're like oh i have an idea for a comic and then you got it at a certain point you're like oh no oh this is a lot (laughs) (laughs) um many uh years ago i was um a syndicated newspaper cartoonist and i would keep a notebook of just ideas of other projects because you can't Mm. you know you can't do it all and um that's where isolation started um i think uh i actually i got in trouble for telling the story but i'm going to tell it again here all right i yes, was we like love not trouble. that kind of a trouble but um i was a fan when the television series lost first came out never and, oh i never i've never heard of this show this is so alex mentions it uh, <laughs> and you, you liked it right it, at the beginning, it, it was an interesting mystery series, but then meandered, and by the end, you realized they either didn't have a clue where they were going with it, or they just got so off track they they couldn't kind of. Doug, really thank you that. so much for coming to the show. It was a pleasure. <laughs> having you. Have a great day, Doug. We're starting a separate show right now, and Alex isn't a part of it. Yeah. This is why I get in trouble um, because I I loved the show. I felt that the the writing got off track, and it frustrated me as a writer. And I mm-hmm. felt well, I I'd like to try and write something like that, a mystery, but where I took the time and really developed and figured everything out before I I brought it out into the world. And that was kind of where isolation started. Um, and it stayed in a notebook and I would just kind of keep notes and ideas for a long time until I figured everything out and how to make it work. So the reason I got in trouble for this before is sometimes people get mad because I'm not dogging on on uh, on lost but at the same time other people when they hear it was an inspiration they're like oh they he has no idea where this is going so and i do mm, yes you have to clarify and i think that makes it a, a lot of sense yeah 
well, talk a little bit about then putting together the art team for the book, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, when the comic was greenlit by the publisher, uh, Reggie Simmons, who if people are comic book collector world YouTube fans, he's known as Reggie Collects on, on YouTube. Um, we, uh, we assembled a team of artists through the, uh, Joe Kubert school, um, oh, of nice. comic and cartoon art. And part of that is because I live about five minutes away from the Kubert school. I grew up in the area. I actually took Saturday morning classes when I was little that Joe Kubert himself taught. Oh, um, wow. That's so, awesome. Amazing. Yeah, and and I've just been a fan of the school for many many years. Um, the the new owner, when Joe passed, his sons Adam and Andy ran the school for a while, yeah. and then they, I don't know, sold, turned it over, whatever, um, to Anthony Marquez, who's yeah. a, a Batman artist, great guy, unbelievable uh, guy, we former love Bruthman, yeah, former yeah. Bruthman for our, this very show. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. So I, I've known Anthony for years, and amazing. Guy. Um, when when Reggie Green lit it, he said, "Can you help me find the art team?" And I went right to the Kubert School. So all the artists on it um, are are Kubert School graduates. Cool. Well, very then cool. talk Great a little resource. bit about coordinating those artists, so you're getting what you need out of it, so it still feels like one cohesive piece. Yeah, so um, the the first two oh, wow. issues, the cover and the interior art, uh, are are done by the lead artist Delia Gunderson, um, but she had an artist assistant, Elena Morton, um, who would help her kind of transfer her layouts and kind of flesh out some of the backgrounds, things like that. Um, Delia uh, has an amazing kind of like a, a, she she essentially paints in black and white. Um, and, and that, uh, takes oh, a while yeah, as you that. can imagine. Yeah. It gives it an amazing right. depth. Um, uh, but it's, it's time consuming as well. And we knew that if, if the series kind of caught, we'd have to bring in other artists and, uh, Chase Cowan, um, was, uh, who is another Hubert school graduate. Uh, we pulled into the project to kind of help with the heavy, heavy lifting. Looks like it's uh, can you worth tell the us... weight, though. I mean, that art is really fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Can you tell us about the story? We know that it's not like Lost, but so yeah. far, that's <laughs> all we know. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. Um, it's a terrible it... pitch. <laughs> <laughs> not to everybody. Oh, uh, okay. So it's, so it's more of a Cagney and Lacey type thing. Those are the two, yeah, got those, it. Are the two those are the two shows. Are, oh, you're saying it is Penny's boat, Alex. <laughs> uh, no, Doug, uh, tell us about the actual story. Sure. Um, so Isolation is a mystery series that follows a researcher, Mandy Connors, who um, discovers a secretive, hidden kind of cult community um, in Louisiana and through her research. And there were three distinct periods, time periods of extreme killing and murder. And mm. the story, the overarching story is about uh, Mandy and her research and the dangers that um, that she faces because of her learning of isolation. And then it's told in uh, essentially three story arcs of uh, 1869, the, the first year of murder, 1919, the second year, and then 1949, uh, the third year. And ultimately, isolation um, disappears from existence and is kind of erased from history which is why her discovery of it kind of uh leads to other um dangers and and mystery one of the things mm. that i thought was interesting and i think we should mention correct me if i'm wrong but the first two issues are out now you're working on the third one which should be out soon do you have a date yet yeah the third one's done and oh no which is great because uh, the publisher did a Kickstarter, but uh, that comes out in about uh, one to two weeks. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So uh, I feel comfortable mentioning this in the vaguest terms possible, but you have a ton of timeline stuff in the first issue. Like it jumps yes. 
all over the place and establishes all these timelines. And then I thought it was very interesting that you really settle it down a little bit in the second and third issue to really concentrate more on specific aspects of the story. Talk to me a little bit about that structure just in terms of the series issue by issue. Yeah, so um, the structure that you see in issue two um, is more in line what you'll see throughout the series, which is really a focus on one time period, um, but with some connections to the 1992, which is when Mandy, the researcher, is, is um, that, that's her story's timeline. The reason that I started off issue number one with all four, and I don't continue that, is first of all, it would be, it, it's challenging enough. There are a lot of characters um, be, because of the fact that it is about a lot of murders that take place in a short period of time. Um, but in issue number one, I really wanted to establish all four time periods. And without spoiling anything, I wanted to establish certain elements um, that are a little bit um, outside, uh, I, I guess, the norm. Um, so it wouldn't be jarring if it was introduced later in the story. So the, the overall structure of the series, issue one shows all four time periods. The next 10 issues really focus primarily on 1869 with some of the, um, some of the uh, framing of Mandy Connors. And then we go back at the, at the end in issue number 12 that brings back all four time periods together and starts to connect some of the dots that, um, that, that are first set out at the beginning of the story. Nice. Uh, we got a couple of questions here on YouTube. This one is from Derek Mainhart. Says, question for Doug. How does someone... Either a your... friend or a horrible enemy. Right? Yes. <laughs> How does someone with your boyish charm and all-American good looks come up with such twisted shit? <laughs> Thanks, Derek. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love mysteries. I, I always have. Um, I... I like the isolation while certainly a, a, a fictional place is set in a real place, which is Louisiana and the different time periods that it is set in um, also are very important historically. And yeah. so real history uh, is also a part of this. And I think some of my interest in nonfiction history um, and, uh, definitely was inspiring as I was kind of creating the, the story. Uh, well, that ties into the follow-up here again from Derek Maidhart, who says, what kind of research did you do regarding the different time periods? Quite a bit. Um, some of which I don't want to get into much because there are, surprises that connect to different mm. time periods. Um, but it's the on... part you don't want to get into murder, right? Like you try yeah. a little bit just to sort <laughs> yeah. of get a sense for it. Yeah. Alex, that's a spoiler. History oh, is a spoiler here. Sorry. Especially yeah. that, sorry, the man. M word. <laughs> I will say that each of the, the time periods and, and this is not, I mean, if anybody reads issue number one, you'll get this. Um, the four main time periods are each right after and, and, um, a, a war that America fought in. So yes. it's shortly after the civil war and connects with that history. Um, 1919 shortly after the end of world war one, and then 1949 shortly after world war two. And all of those things uh, play into uh, the, the different stories and the different periods of murder. Awesome. Mm. Uh, so where could people get this book if they want to check it out? Uh the easiest place to find it online is the publisher's website, which is reggiecollects.com. And uh, you can still get copies of issue number one and two. Uh, issue number three, he did it a little differently. He had like a pre-order Kickstarter, um, and it did sell out in, in, in pre-orders. Um, he might have some extra copies, and there are some LCS uh, LCSs that have picked it up. Um, so you can find them there um, and hopefully uh, we'll put together a trade as well. Um, I think because issue three sold out, there's a chance he might uh, sell that digitally. And you can actually get a free copy of issue number one 
down that you can download digitally from reggiecollects.com at well as well if you just want to check it out and see if it's for you that's great oh, what a nice. great way in yeah i love it doug congratulations on the book it is twisty it is fun even with your lost slander i'm still into the book. Oh. Uh, so congratulations <laughs> on everything it's great stuff thank you so much all right thanks for thanks, coming doug. On. Care, doug. have a good night appreciate it all right. Once again, the book is called Isolation. Like we mentioned, you can check out the first two issues right now. The third issue coming soon. That's from yeah, Doug Bratton cool. and uh, Pete. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna sh- close your law lo- your lost box down. You're just gonna yeah, shut it out of shame. Oh, just like no, because you you were reaching for it when he was talking. I thought you were like, oh, don't. No, no, no. I just like, I like it. For anybody who's listening out of the audio podcast, I have my nerd shelf behind me. And on there is a mega set of Lost that is shaped partially like the structure from the end of Lost. And if you open it up, there's like secrets inside and everything. I like to have it behind me because every once in a while, I like to just reach back and feel it and touch it and touch it so that I know that it's there. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff, man. It's not creepy at all. Not creepy at all. You know who else is not creepy is our next guest. He is part of another historical project. It's a whole what? My segues are terrible tonight. Yes. No, no, no. I think that's. Oh, I, wow. I, I think it's a fine segue. It's just uh, what an uh, to be introduced. Someone's like, "Hey, it's my buddy. He's not creepy." <laughs> sort of uh, controversial. Yeah, lots of questions about me not being creepy have been answered on my shirt, where it says, "I am not creepy." Uh, but he's not. He has a fascinating project that he's been part of and has a very specific part of it, specifically uh, script writing and research. Uh, the new project is called By Water, the Felix Mann's Story from Cloud Publishing House. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Momsen. Hello, Richard. Welcome. Hey. hey, hey. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, no problem. So this is published day, right? Like the book this came is published. Yeah, it's this big day. Pub- How are you feeling? How has your day been so far? Well, uh, just... Really excited to that I can finally see the world and uh, looking forward to seeing how people like it. And uh, all signs are good so far. Excellent. Do you mean have the world we... of the book or have you been trapped in isolation working on this until today? And you're finally <laughs> no, released. No. Well, as as script writer, like I kind of like let go of it a while ago, um, other than just sort of, you know, peeking in at the work the artists were doing um, toward the end. Um, so, yeah, this is a big moment. We've been working on this for a while and, and it's pretty exciting. So, uh, well, let's talk about this. Just to kind of set up the project, it's based on the true story of Felix Mads, who was uh, alive during the Restoration. It's uh, very much a religiously seeped book that shows this period of time in the life of religion. It follows it. It goes to very dark and serious places over the course of it. So I'm curious to delve into all of that and talk about that. But just from a structural way, I'm curious about your role on the book, because there is a writer, there is an artist, but you're the script writer and you did the research. So what was putting together this project like for you? Yeah, so my background is really in uh, in script writing for, for video, for the, for the web, and I've done some theatrical um, script writing and done a couple feature-like films. So Jason Lanzel is a friend of mine. He's the sort of the creative director mm. and over, you know... The, the primary author of this work. And he's been thinking about this story for about 25 years. Um, wow. And he, he asked me to sort of come in to just provide that, you know, structure um, of a, that a script brings to it. So I kind of approached it like, like I would uh, approach a movie script. Um, and then the way I, I see it is Jason is sort of like the director producer. And, and then Sanka is kind of like Sanka Banerjee is the artist is really the, um, uh, I guess the uh, the cinematographer um, mm, who, who yeah. sort of makes everything. So it was a really um, I I'd never done anything like this before. So it's just a really fun experience, a very fun creative experience working uh, in partnership with these guys. Ooh. Well, could you talk a little bit about what is your background with comics, if any? <laughs> uh, really, no background other than as a as a consumer, as a kid yeah. <laughs> reading comics. Well, where did you start then? What was your what was your first love as a comic uh, reader? So, uh, Hergé, uh, Tintin, um, Big nice. Fan, uh, uh, Asterix, uh, that kind of stuff. Other than that, that was about it. Sort of like historical stuff. 
All right. Well, that yeah. panned out very nicely with this project. That yeah, <laughs> do me a favor. Could you describe what this is about better than I did? Because I bangled it horribly <laughs> for the non-man's heads out there. For the non-man, well, uh, th there are very few man's heads, which is why kind of yeah. why we did this. Story. The Manziacs. The Manziacs. Uh, yeah. So, five hundred years ago, um, in Europe, Western wow. Europe, was a pretty tumultuous, Beautiful. pretty tumultuous uh, time period. Um, you know, there was a lot of, there was revolution was in the air and, uh, you know, there was a lot of um, up, upheaval, uh, people feeling restless, a lot of oppression of the underclass, of the peasantry. And uh, into this comes um, a new translation of the Bible. So the, the Christian Bible. So people are reading the words in the Bible. They're also reading, um, you know, other sources. Uh, Homer, um, they're going back to the original Greek. Thomas More has published his epic uh, utopia describing like what's the perfect society look like. So uh, Felix Mance is sort of born into this milieu and um, he is inspired to imagine what a new world could look like. And he sets out to sets out to put that into practice and ends up running into conflict with authorities and end up, ends up getting killed um, for his uh, for what he believes basically. So that's a broad outline. I mean, I imagine a new Bible dropping would have been a big, big reboot. Like it's like when they rebooted Spider-Man and it was like, it's a little soon. We're still into. Yeah. I mean, was his Bible, would you say it was more the Tobey Maguire of Bibles, the Andrew Garfield of Bibles or the Tom Holland wow. of Bibles? Well, basically what you had back then, right? So you had, you had this power structure, the, the major power structure with the Catholic was the Catholic church, right? They had everything in hand. Your, your life was completely governed by what they said, right? From the moment you were born, you were baptized as an infant into the church. And from then on, you were basically subject to whatever the church said, right? Um, so these guys, when they actually read the Bible, they're like, you know what? That's actually not what it says there. Uh, what it says there is there should be freedom. This should be a completely voluntary thing. There should be no, um, you know, people should not be compelled to believe one thing or another. It should be something that um, is, is taken on freely. Um, they also said, you know, the Bible says there should be like economic sharing. There should not be injustice between rich and poor. Um, there should not be violence. So what they were really imagining was a utopian um, society. And they said, what we have isn't it. So we're going to make it. And that's what they tried to do in the city of Zurich in Switzerland, which you can see on the map here. That sounds very Tom Holland, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms I mean, of Tom it's really Holland interesting. Of it all, uh, I would go. say one of the things that I thought was the most fascinating when I was reading through this is you tend to get like through comics, you either get a take that's really uh, about religion, that's really breaking it down and trying to poke holes in it and, or using it as a metaphor if we're talking about superhero comics. Or on the other hand, if you're doing some sort of real life thing, not to slag off a specific publisher, but you get like the blue water thing, which is like a cheapy cash in here's history and that's it. But this is very respectful and really delves into it. And it doesn't shy away from the negative parts, but it's also not necessarily critical of religion so much as actually talking about the history there. Uh, what was it like when you were all putting together in terms of walking that line? Um, well, I mean, a huge part of this obviously was the research. So Jason, uh, who's the uh, primary author, he actually visited these historical sites with his family. He uh, spent Quite a, quite a oh, bit wow. of time in, in Surish. Um, he, you know, visited all the sites that you see in this in this book as much as they still exist. Um, and then we just did a ton of, of background work, um, reading not just about this particular story, but about like what was the political situation back then. You know, what how did crime and punishment look? How did uh, how did people socialize? Um, what did they do in their free time? Um, what what got them excited? Uh, so there was just a ton of work that went in over over years on, on Jason's part. And then I sort of, you know, took everything that he had uh, pulled together and, and just we, we kind of marinated in this period of history, which is just an extremely interesting, um, not at all, uh, you know, people talk about the dark ages. I mean, these people are extremely interesting. There was a lot of a lot of really, really interesting uh, stuff going on um, at this time. Uh, in the sort of the way the art is broken out here is there's a lot of panels like the page we're seeing on the screen where it's like really storytelling panels on a lot of things happening. And then you break out into these 
real beautiful images. Is that something from a script writing sense you were like, I want to make sure we're sort of going in and out like that? Or or did the artist sort of drive that? I got to give Jason and Sanka all the credit for that. Um, They really had it in their head. And and my job was just to try to like keep the story. Well, there's so many, there were so many different rabbit holes you could have gone down, right? And and what I had to keep telling the guys is like, we're not Dostoevsky, you know, we got to tell it. We got 120 pages to tell a story. Let's keep it focused, you know. <laughs> uh, now, this is also the first of three volumes. So, again, not to keep focusing on the workflow, but I think this is very unique in terms of comics. Was this set up in a way where you could provide your part of the first book, then they could be working on the first book while you're prepping the second book? Yeah, that's how it's working. Um, that's how it's working right now. I actually just finished the script for the second book, uh, which is called By Fire. Um, and the third one's called uh, "By By the Sword." Um, so, while I'm doing that, they they were finishing this one off, and um, of course, I was involved uh, to the end just with commenting on on different things. But um, yeah. Now, not to put you on the spot, but I am curious about this, and if you don't feel comfortable as answering, 100 cool. What are but... you about to do? Uh, well, but this is a book about religion, and I don't know what your religious background is. I don't know anything about you there. I, I was curious whether delving into this history, given whatever your religious background is, if it changed your perspective on religion at all, Ooh. or if it kept it the same as it was. Well, uh, so I am actually, I'm actually a descendant of of the people the story is about. I belong to an Anabaptist community. That's oh. What? That's a crazy <laughs> reveal. Yeah. So you're telling a part of your own history. In yeah. And, and Jason, Jason in particular is, is married to someone who's a direct descendant of these folks. And wow. we, actually, we actually still live in a, in a uh, intentional community where all the members share everything in common. So this is like very much our story. Wow. So what was that like then? Did you feel, (laughs) uh, I mean, did you feel any hesitance in terms of doing this? Did you get calls from like Aunt Margaret being like, you better not say anything about Uncle Felix, I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. We're extremely proud of it. And, uh, you know, I think, I think these people were were onto something about, you know, concerns that are very contemporary about like economic justice, about, uh, you know, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, you know, stuff that, that people still talk about today. So I think the story like has a lot of resonances with, with the world we live in right now, which is why we're excited to bring it out. And so this book for your own community seems to that will have a lot of meaning. Have you given like, have other people in the, in the community read it? And is it, is it going to be some, I feel like it's going to be something that it's like time to read and talk like the book club is going to pop for this it's yeah, yeah. People, no, people 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 really appreciate it they've uh they've enjoyed it uh and uh yeah but hopefully it reaches a broader audience than people who already know the story which is why we thought the graphic novel format would be just a great way to tell a story to people who have no clue about the reformation or or especially this little part the radical reformation it is. I, I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't know anything about Felix Bands. And I think, speaking from a comic book fan perspective, beyond beyond just the story, the art is so stunning, gorgeous. I mentioned this yeah. specifically for yeah, anybody for listening on the audio podcast. It's so involving. My background, I'm Jewish, so I have no relationship with this whatsoever. But you get into the story because the art draws you in, and that's an id to talk about these subjects that may necessarily be alien for a large part of the audience like we're talking about. So work, work for me, I guess, is the short. Well, and that was yeah. very cool because uh, Sanka Banerjee, um, he is, he lives in, uh, he's from Calcutta, India. Uh, he comes from a, a Hindu background um, and has experience, you know, with comics, um, but mostly, you know, in that tradition, like a lot of sort of uh, mystical mm. stuff, uh, Indian artwork. Um, so he, he came to this like, with zero background at all. And uh, that was what was so cool about it. Is he kind of got it. He, he got the story, like even not, you know, not knowing any of the history or, or you know. And I think that's actually what makes the art as strong as it is, because he brings that perspective. Uh, was it, uh, did you have to really think, like, for telling a story that is something that is, like you're saying, so inherent to, to your life, did you have to keep stepping back and be like, oh wait, people are going to need to really understand this. They need to like see the larger world. Like, was that a difficult process, especially when you're working in such a group? Yeah, that, that was a challenge. And uh, I think, you know, some of that we, we kind of dealt with by um, adding, obviously you can't, you can't explain everything in the actual 
novel. So we added a lot of back matter, which I think like anyone who's like interested by the story, they're going to just find a lot of really interesting historical information there um, that, that kind of like fills in the gaps. Um, but like, like any good work of art, right? Um, it should, it should make you think, you know, um, I, I, I personally like reading stuff that makes me, that doesn't give me everything right away that I have to like work for a little bit. And this, you know, there's parts of this that'll make you work a little bit. Um, and which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well talk me through. So we have this first thing, which is the Felix Mad story. What are the second and third volumes going to be like? Are they going to continue along the line with the same characters, even though I know they're real life people? Are we going to get different pockets of the Reformation? How does it work? So yeah, the the series is called Heroes of the Radical Reformation. The Radical Re Reformation was a really small um, subset of the Reformation, which was started by Martin Luther. Um, which probably most folks are familiar with, you know, the 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 kind of the the theses on the door in Wittenberg yeah. and, and so on. Um, but these were people who like got really radical and said, um, not only do we not want to have corrupt church officials running our lives, we actually want to just change the whole, you know, terms of engagement and, and we're going to make life completely different. And these were people who believed in radical sharing. Um, they believed that private, you know, in the abolition of private property completely, that everything should be shared. Uh, they believed in, um, you know, complete nonviolence. Uh, in all cases, even in cases of self-defense. Um, so these are like pretty radical folks who were then also willing to, uh, they were willing to face the consequences. And for many of them, for thousands of them, that meant uh, getting killed. So we'll be following the stories of different ones of these guys. Uh, and each story is going to be very different because they, they're all very different personalities. And, and I think it's going to be really interesting. Man, that's fascinating. So, yep. uh, Justin, you were going to ask something? I was going to say, so how far in the, do you have all of it sort of done? You're, you said you're working on the second one, but the full story is sort of planned. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all planned out and uh, should be we'll be, should be wrapping it up in the next couple of years. So, yeah. we'll be doing like a book a year, I think. Wow. Awesome. So, the first book, like we said at the beginning, is out today. Is it... It's available in bookstores, digital retailers everywhere. Is that should, should be everywhere? Look for Bywater, the Felix Mann story. Uh, you can also check it out at the publisher's website, uh, plow.com, P-L-O-U-G-H.com. Um, probably the best way to find it. Are you gonna Are you gonna head to a bookstore and sort of like kind of scatter yeah. out a little bit, or what are your plans? I'm I'm yeah I'm definitely planning to go to my local Barnes and Noble uh and see where they walk it. in like a yeah. king yeah, yeah. Uh, this section. what do we have here to my book. you know me you know me uh that's great congratulations to the book release it is a gorgeous stunning book i was very bowled over by it and i'm very yes, excited right. for other people to discover it as well and eagerly looking forward to the next two however long they take so we'll have to have you back when the second one comes up i'm looking forward to yeah. it thanks so much all right thanks richard thanks richard all right. Once again, the book is called By We By Water By Weeder. By Water, the Felix Mads story. It's out right now from Plow Publishing House. So definitely check it out. And that's so interesting. In my household, I was raised to worship Spider Man. So like I guess uh, Oh wow. Uh, belief yeah. Systems. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was sad the question about the movies. Uh, of course, obviously. of course, of course. And Such now we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience question. Comments, and we will get to them right now. But first, when we talk about what we are drinking, um, everybody knows I'm drinking the Shazamily because Shazamily yeah. matters. What are you guys yeah. drinking, though? Thanks for really making that word happen for us all. Anytime. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking um, uh, out of a Captain Lawrence glass. I'm drinking water. <laughs> oh. Are you still on uh, dry March again? It's still March, right, Alex? <laughs> March. Are you so, on yes. dry March again? That's hilarious. Uh, now we're. We're uh, not, my wife and I are not drinking in March, and it's fine. It's totally fine, especially right now. Pete drinking his uh, native beverage, Florida Man. That's right. Excellent. Even in Florida. Uh, well, cool. Why don't we get to some questions here uh, from Derek again? 
Uh, Alex, do you try to book your guests according to theme? I wish I could say yes, but it was a total accident. Yeah. Just work it out. Or I keep. I love questions like that. Where it's like, do you guys do this interesting thing on purpose? And we're like, hell no. What do you, what do you say? <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, but it worked out very nicely. It was very interesting to talk to them about it these was. Two historical books. So there you go. Uh, we got another one here. This is from Stray Bullet. If you were starting a new religion, what would be your first three commandments? Mm. Wow. Great question. I like uh, Derek Mainhart's follow-ups to that are no and boo right <laughs> underneath Stray Bullet's question. Uh, what would be three, three commandments? commandments? I could probably Oof, do three that's... commandments for Pete pretty easily. Oh, yeah? yeah. That, yeah. Thou shalt garbage plate. Oh, I was thinking thou shalt not fold the comic books. That's at least. Oh, yeah, exactly. Honestly, I feel like Pete speaks in commandments. mostly. So <laughs> there's a lot of easy. Thou shalt easy do answers. the do. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'll come up with the third one eventually. Uh, three commandments. Mm. No, I live pretty free of commandments. Ooh, uh, look so at far. you. I do like that don't murder one. That seems pretty good. I feel like I'd keep that. You know? Well, that's sort of a law now, so I don't know if you have to throw it in there. <laughs> if you're starting a religion, you're like, so no murder here. It's sort of like, thou are protesting too much, cult leader. <laughs> thou shalt not jaywalk. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, law. When once now that we have laws, I feel like we can sort of slide those out of the yeah. way. Is something you got to exactly. throw onto the commandment pile. But maybe um, things like um, thou shalt like. Um, no, like don't call me just text unless it's something that we really need to uh thou shalt that. respect lost in this house oh yeah ooh, we already no. know that uh but alex though this reminds me is unrelated to the question apologies oh, to okay. the asker of said question but um you had an interesting thing happen in your house that i think is perfectly germane to the uh, the comic book shazamly that you're raising yes Can exactly you i am raising my little uh, baby Marvel and my slightly taller Marvel. Uh, you know, so my son, and I mentioned this a couple of times on this show and on the stack, we started going every Wednesday to the comic book shop, which has been delightful and fun and also just kind of fascinating. Pete doesn't care about stories. Uh, fascinating to <laughs> find out what he likes and why he likes things yeah. because he's eight years old, you know? So it's definitely very different things that he's hooking into here. But one of the things that legitimately and pete will appreciate this i've tried to dissuade him from yeah is he got super focused and fascinated about sins of sinister of all things and oh, to wow. clarify he knows who the x-men are he has never read an x-men comic book so he was like what is this sins of sinister thing oh, i keep man. seeing ads for and i was like okay it is too complicated there's no way you're going to get, be able to understand what's going on. But he kept asking me questions. Finally, I was like, fine, here's what's going on. Explain like all of Krakoa, what's going really? on, sinister, all of this stuff. And I was like, this is crazy, right? He was like, ha ha ha, what? That's crazy. Well, anyway, can we get Sins of Sinister? And I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. So this past week, they reprinted it. Uh, so we were finally able to grab a copy of the one shot because he didn't want to get any of the other one shots or titles or anything like that he wanted to start at the beginning and i thought that was a good place to Completest. be like here read this now you're not going to be interested in anything else he read the whole thing had a million questions during it but <laughs> then immediately they had to was like so do they have the mini series available can we get those <laughs> i was like oh my god those are even more complicated what are you doing yeah. right now but he asked me about that, and I was like, fine, we can look for them on Wednesday. Then we'll see if they have any copies or anything. But then right before he was going to bed one night, he came up to me. He's like, I have a question about Sins of Sinister. Like, <laughs> yeah, we stopped talking about Sins of Sinister. I love how over it you are. You're just like, yeah, oh. I love how this is torturing you. I love I'm like, I talk to these two adult children <laughs> almost yeah, every day. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't need my, I don't need this in my house. A comic book free place. Yeah. So he, he did come up to me. So he asked me, he's like, so there's these three miniseries and the way that they came out, uh, everybody knows this if they look at the checklist, but he was like, so there's these three miniseries, there's Storm and the Brotherhood of Humans, and then Nightcrawlers is released, and then there's Immoral X-Men. Those are the three miniseries that are spinning out. You got Sids of Sinister, and then the last issue is Sids of Sinister Dominion. 
that wraps up the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, those are the three miniseries. He was like, so was it on purpose that if you take the first letter of each of those, if you rearrange them, it spells sin? And I was like, uh, I don't know. So you just got replaced on this show. I did get replaced. So what I did was I asked Karen Gillen. I was like, hey, my eight-year-old noticed this thing. Is this, he would like to know if it's on purpose. And Karen Gillen wrote me back. He's like, not only is that on purpose, your eight-year-old is the first person to point that out. Wow. Slam. So uh, Milo is going to be taking over from this point of the show. It was great knowing you guys. Oh man, yeah. what a great, great get him in here! Of power, yeah, he, I love it. Nah, he's, he's already going to be the most observant of the three of us by a long shot. <laughs> what um, are you worried that he goes to school and says his teacher's like, "What have you been reading?" He's like, "Sins of Sinister." One hundred percent. Here's the thing: is that I, I don't know this one hundred percent for a fact, but like they're on the way to school. He asks me to Marvel quiz him is the way that he describes it, which has come up with quiz questions about Marvel. And I've figured out it's because that's what they do during lunchtime. Like they stand around and they're like, oh, I know these things about Marvel that you don't know. Here's a thing. And they like throw trivia facts out at each other. So that's where it kind of all started. That's what encouraged me to take him to the comic book shop. And yeah, I'm 100 sure he is telling all of his friends. You've got to be nerd ready when you're in out the in the streets grade. and at school, man. Because if you don't know your stuff, you'll lose your nerd card, man. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So he's got it in spades at this point. The other thing that I'll mention, and just to ratchet this up, I, is wait, like but he, real quick. I disagree yeah. with uh, Derek Maynard. Your child nut flexing all over us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him. I'll go wake him up and be like, stop not flexing. It's not appropriate. Again, maybe something I mean, with sins of sinister you don't want your child knowing how to say. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Oh, the other thing that I was going to mention is that he's been super into Avengers Forever, and that's branched out into now we're getting the volumes of Avengers, and he has a lot of questions. About oh, that. I mean, jeez. Yeah. So much to cover. Too many questions. Yes. He so far has not asked me about the scene where She-Hulk has sex with Thor in the hot tub, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's going to be a good way into the whole birds and the bees thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, when a Hulk and a God love each other very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We got a question here from Schoikler. If you could have any kind of puppet, what puppet would, would you want? Uh, not only is this in Schoikler's area of expertise, puppets, but mm. also I believe it's International Puppet Day or something like that. Oh, man. What a day. Wow. What, what a day. day to be alive. No Did you see? I don't know if you guys went into Manhattan, but they were putting up barricades everywhere because they're having a big parade, I believe, for International Puppet Day. Yeah, it's like the end of Return of the Jedi around the world. Everyone's just <laughs> dancing in the streets, puppets on their hands. I could get anyone to answer an email today because they're I got their puppet hands mm-hmm. in their puppets. Out of puppet response, I don't know. What would you want? What would you want if you could have any puppet, Pete? I mean, this is tough. I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, I would kind of. Uh, I think <laughs> I would be what? fun to have uh, my head on a gorilla body. <laughs> <laughs> As a puppet? Yeah. Or are you on that in real life? Why? Why? I guess my main question is why? Um, I I don't know. I just think gorillas look like badasses, so it'd be a fun uh it'd be a fun. And puppet. you would puppet this around? Like we would talk with a puppet, or you'd be like a Jeff Dunham type uh performer that we would I, I hadn't thought about to. that much. I was just thinking about what what it would make me okay. laugh. Okay. Just to ch- check in here, you said I've thought about this a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. And then you got a very specific answer. And then you're like, I haven't thought about it as not anything else. I just want it. <laughs> yeah. Just, I've just, if you're going to have a puppet, what kind of puppet would you want? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, weird. It was my answer is uh, Pete's head on a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like Pete took my answer in a way. Oh, wow. I see why you're so defensive now. If uh, yeah. <laughs> a serious answer I'll throw out there, when I was a kid, I had this very articulate Donald Duck marionette that I loved playing with. It broke. It's, it's in like pieces and shambles. Yeah. And everything. It broke because yeah. you were screaming at it for not being able to keep up with your hands, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to have that. Dance, Donald. Yeah. Wow. Nice. There we go. We've got maybe an easier question to answer here, though a little more complicated from Ben the Border Collie. Why was there this expectation for Phase 4 to have a coherent story when that's not really how the MCU has ever operated? Like, what was the story of, say, Phase 2? 
Ooh, shots fired. Mm. Justin, I'm curious to hear from you on this one because you've definitely been critical of the phase four story. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I mean, phase two was all building. They were getting toward the infinity gauntlet there, right? So, like, I feel like there was a pretty directional story that we were getting at, and it was only being lightly teased. I feel like phase four had the expectation of an overarching story, I feel like, and then there was nothing there. And in fact, the movies felt almost purposefully disparate and the connective points were what thunderbolts and things like that, that we are so far away from that. It felt like a bit of a letdown. And now the movies are so interconnected. I think it's becoming like a barrier to entry. Um, and I'm not just trying to be uh, straight up uh, critical about this, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that's actually the opposite problem because no, there is not a coherent story. Like if I sat down and be like, well, let me tell you the tale of old phase two, that wouldn't make any sense, but the yeah. there were there was less less product coming out, but it all set up the next thing. Like when you went to see one movie, you were almost always guaranteed that there would be an end credit scene that in some way would tee up the next movie you're going to see. With Phase Four, there was so much coming out and so many different things. It wasn't immediately clear how one thing fed into the next thing, like. Uh, I'm getting this order wrong, but, you know, thinking about like, okay, I'm watching Miss Marvel that tees up She-Hulk exactly how. And I, I think that was kind of the point. Like what they were trying to do was set up a ton of different things so they could have all new characters because they had cleared the deck from all of these old characters for the most part. But that did lead to this lack of coherence. They're not telling a story, but they are telling a franchise. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Marvel catches up to DC in this aspect and they start just doing bits, like running bits further after credits, like uh, mm -hmm. the Shazam uh, big callback that Zalbin loved so much was very enjoyable. I did. Well, the, you're Mind. talking about, we talked about this on the Shazam 2 podcast, the Mr. Mind Savada bit, spoiler, from the end of Shazam 2. Very fun. But it's a great, hilarious callback and a fun kind of, acknowledgement mm -hmm. yeah i feel like that that choice was made because they were like hey this is it gang <laughs> you, <laughs> have to, you don't have to have a credit sequence for anything because uh you're cut off uh you're out of the shazam um well i mean i think i think we're sort of saying the same thing because the when they started to be incorporating the tv shows and everything it just felt a little bit like homework uh for a lot of people and that made it less enjoyable when the teases earlier on were just like were sort of strange and out of place, but it, they weren't complicated. It didn't feel like you were missing something. It was like, oh, this is just like it's like at the end of a Bond movie back in the day when it would just say like Bond will return, and that's all you need to make us. Yes, I'm excited. The other thing that might have hurt it a little bit, like if we're talking specifically about these end credit sequences, like they they weren't consistent in phase four is the other thing. Sometimes there weren't end credit sequences. So there were, but they were musical numbers or other things. Like there was, again, not that clear direction of, okay, you're done with this. Now we're moving on to the next story in the Marvel universe because everything is kind of happening simultaneously. So maybe that's what they're trying to work out now, I guess, potentially. Yeah. Go. Maybe the most important part of movies is going to be the, the 30 seconds at the end from now on. Yeah. And they can um, maybe not have it be as much of a thing for the first two hours and 20 minutes. Maybe you could just to zone out for the first couple of hours and just watch the end credit sequences. Or alternately, maybe I'm almost there. Movie, they'll be like, <laughs> hey, I'm Kevin Feige. Here's the next movie you're going to see. <laughs> it's really funny to just be like, yeah, 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 this is. But next, it's it's so true of our culture right now is to be like, this movie doesn't matter. It's the next one. You already yeah. paid for this one. <laughs> it's so <laughs> true. Here. We already got you. All right. This is from Stanley. Do you think product placement in TV or movies could ever work well? Well, I think, you know, Wayne's World is a perfect example of it working well, where they turned it Great. into a joke and it was hilarious and a fun bit. You know, uh, sometimes they can be done well. Usually, though, it's pretty obvious it's an advertisement or uh, product placement. So, yeah, I have as much fun with it as you can. Otherwise, it's, it kind of pulls you out. 
I mean, it's hard. To, I agree with you about Wayne's World. It's super smart. Hard to do that over and over again. I feel like you can't uh, really do that th- same thing again. You could have someone get thrown into a giant um, Pepsi bottle or something, um, but I, I don't think you can really do it uh, over and over again. It just has to be, I think, diegetic. It has to be just something someone is picking up and drinking in the scene not calling attention to it. And I think it does. Well, but I I think there are ways of doing it. If it makes contextual sense, the first one that came to mind was egos in stranger things. That's obviously product placement, but also the idea of 11 coming into that store, hooking into egos and being like, Oh my God, these are amazing. I've never tasted anything like this before. And that's all she wants to eat. That's great. And Granted, four seasons in, they probably pushed it a little too much and made it too much of a thing. But at the same yeah, time, you worked... would think she would keep trying new foods, you know? Right. I mean? But she didn't. She didn't. And no. she's very malnourished. And that makes me very worried about her upbringing. Yes. Um, on the other hand, and I know Pete's going to take exception to this one, but I think the opposite end of the spectrum is the Skittle scene from Shazam 2, which is it aired on the side of being a Skittles commercial rather Taste than the rainbow, motherfucker that organically came out of the movie and they forced it. So it not needs to be fair, it was, not there's forced. Nothing or, it was or, glorious. It was hilarious and so much fun. There's nothing organic about actual Skittles either. So it makes sense <laughs> that it would be a little bit uh, <laughs> fake feeling. Yes. There you go. I think um, that is it for questions. So we are going to move on with our next section, which is oh. trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Oh, boy. All right. This is the part we give back to the audience. Comics online or, uh, of course, Long John Silvers for some reason. But, yeah, it's an mm-hmm. opportunity to uh, partake in a very easy quiz. Uh, and we do have somebody on, I believe they're on a YouTube in the comments. Yeah, all right. Jaron Towsend is going to do trivia for us tonight. Nice. So Jaron might be on a little bit of a delay, but you comment, you leave uh, something there. and um, You comment, will... you win. <laughs> you comment, all right. Win. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Lance Reddick, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Marvel is dropping Warlock Rebirth this April, written by blank. Is it A, J.J. Perry, B, Justin drank from a well, his teeth are messed up because because of it, so don't tell me wells aren't creepy, or is it C, Ron Mars? Mm. And while we're waiting for Jaron to answer, right. answered, let me explain. I did grow up in a well. My teeth weren't messed up. I just, um, they, uh, I don't have a lot of the same uh, nutrition in my teeth so that I would often get cavities. Famously, I had um, uh, five cavities, one trip to the dentist, and I had to get them all drilled without anesthesia. Yeah, it's a horrible nightmare. So just to check, you said you did grow up in a well? Yes, I fell in a well as a child, didn't have any sort of golden retriever to rescue me, so I had to live down there, and all that tepid water made my teeth weak. And all you had to eat was Eggos and Skittles, if I remember correctly. Uh, Yeah, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. That's their (laughs) (laughs) That's their country. And Jaren is correct. C is the correct answer. All right, question number two. Tom Cruise has seen the Flash movie. He loved it so much he cold called the director. So is that A, a true statement, B, Elizabeth Saint, or C, no cap? (laughs) Uh, This is a fun one because I will take either A or C. No cap? Yeah. What does no cap mean? Uh, It's the truth. True what? statement. No cap. No Man, cap. You're so old right now. Oh, okay. Sorry, teenager. Teen Pete. Teen Pete. Teen Pete on the Teen Beat getting the Tom Cruise <laughs> insider track. Yeah. Pete, were you up late watching uh, footage from the Eras tour the other night? Just like really getting into that? Grooving mm-hmm. some T Swift? A is correct. All right. All right. Moving on to the last one. Here we go. Who is writing the new comicsology comic that is fast-paced action horror? Is it A. William Defoe, B. Miles Gunter, 
Or C, for reals, William Defoe's face freaks me out. <laughs> he is also raised on well water. So, yeah. He and no, I, cap, oh, right? no, yeah cap. no cap, right? No cap. No <laughs> cap. <laughs> slides right off the tongue. A <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Doug, Doug in the comments is also uh, getting the no cap. Yeah, there we go. Wow, this is great. We're really learning something from our teen reporter, Pete LePage. Yay. And I'm sure he said B at this point. So, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Nice Sorry. Job. Then the Border Collie says, ha, 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 I'm surprised your kids aren't saying no cap, Alex. What about that? Uh, sorry, Ben. They have too much riz for that. Oh, okay. wow. Uh, that, that's, I, I don't know if you're using it. It sounds weird coming out of your mouth, but let me say it's very funny that, like, Alex, you don't know all these cool words, and your kids are saying things like you to you that are like, hey, can um, I read more Sins of Citizen? <laughs> so, truly well, I'm raising the them right, Matt. I'm raising them right. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we have the right answers here. So, Jaron, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we will get you a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics or Long John Silver's your choice. Pete, what is the secret movie you were referencing with this quiz? Of course, I'm talking about the 2014 banger, John Wick, Slappers Only. Ah, there we go. Excellent. Uh, And thank you for not doing Lance Reddick this week, by the way. That was very disrespectful of you. Uh, Okay, why don't we talk about what is... Why would that be disrespectful? I don't know. You should have done Lance Reddick, man. I did do. He did. Wait, he did? Yeah, why yeah. do you, oh, Who did you think you said at the beginning? There you go. <laughs> yeah, you still <laughs> did it. I got a lot Lance of Armstrong. tech stuff going on here. Yeah, okay. oh my God. Hey, he's turning wait, now. Well, I'm just gonna, so... We'll erase that part of the podcast. Pete, thank you so much for being respectful of Lance Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Beautiful. as we all know, new comics are coming out this week. What are some comics you're excited about, Pete? I'm looking forward to DC's Legend of Bloom number one, and more Marvel Sergeant number three, and of course Punisher. Oh, 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 oh. all right, Justin. What about wow. you? What are you looking forward to? A couple interesting things coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I have been loving the uh, new uh, James Tynan book, uh, Blue Book number two, coming out, uh, which was really cool to read. And then Amazing Spider-Man number 22, we're finally getting sort of the backstory on the strange flash forward. And it's really coming into focus quickly what happened here. And uh, this issue looks to be very good as, as far as opening up the, the sitch. A couple of different books that I'll give a shout out to. I've been really interested in these One Bad Day books. I think they've been doing a really phenomenal job. There's a Rachel Gould. Oh, yes, dude. Tom Taylor. Hell Yes. Out today, actually. Uh, so excited to check that out. Also, the neighbors number one for Boob uh, Studio, a new horror like book that, that I'm very excited like to talk to you guys about. And She Hulk number 11 for Marvel. Love uh, Rainbow Rowell. Yeah. Uh, Love what she's doing on this book. We're really worried amazing. about where that's going, man. The whole She Hulk is ship. destroying right now. Oh, My ship so is going bye bye. It, it seems is top like. tier, man. Uh, 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 in the comments, we got Derek Mainhart shouting isolation number three, uh, and then Ben yes. the Border Collie, Nightwing and Deceased to the Tom Taylor fix, and uh, Derek Mainhart, GCPD Blue Wall number six, uh, which is already out and closing up that interesting series. Before we wrap up here, I do want to mention that this week's show is sponsored by our good friend Juan Espinosa, the man behind Bearded yeah. Comics. The goal of the company is to create stories showcasing Hispanic cultures. And they've got two great titles, Adventures of System Admin and Mythology Stories. If you're looking for a fun book about hacking into computers that comes from an actual place of knowledge, definitely check out all six issues of Adventures of a System Admin. You can also check out Mythology Stories, which is part of a successful Kickstarter campaign. It was highlighted as a project we love by the platform, Comics are available in all major digital platforms, such as Amazon, Apple Dog, Apple Books, excuse me, Comics Apple Dog, Bunch, Apple Dogs, <laughs> and Library Pass. <laughs> you can also find the physical copies and a great amount of merchandise at the main website, beardedmancomics.com. And folks, also that is it. on the show. You can go check that out. It's cool. Yeah, check out, we had a couple of great chats with him yeah. uh, a couple of years ago couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Doug Bratton for being on the show. Yeah. Remember to check out yeah. Isolation, as we've said several times. Also, Richard Momsen. Check out Bywater, the Felix Mann's story. Next week, 
Big Shoe. We're going to have Jesse Shuren is going to be here to talk about Zoops, the other happy place. We're also going to have Ryan North and Erica Henderson are going to be oh, here. Yeah. To talk about their new original graphic novel, Danger and Other Unknown Risks. A couple of things to plug on our end. We mentioned it earlier in the show, but Sons of a Gun, our new DC podcast, is going weekly. we got recaps of Shazam 2. Coming up, we're going to be talking about Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and other things. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We're now doing weekly news podcasts on that. Yeah. And I'll tell no... you what, they're fun to do. It's they're fun, to, fun talk. to do. Pete, yeah. you should come on sometime. Talk about I some don't news. Know, man. Yeah. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night.